You're listening to the Wordslinger Podcast, episode 118, Getting Author-Friendly with Carla King. This episode of the Wordslinger Podcast is brought to you by Draft2Digital. Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at drafttodigital.com. It's the Wordslinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. Word slinger. Hey, everybody, this is Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. Thanks for tuning in for another week of uh, word slinger hijinks, we'll call them. Um, you know, Today I've actually got I've got like three things I want to throw out there to you uh, from people who've called or uh, written in, um, so I won't dilly dally. Uh, but real quick, I just wanted to say uh, this is the thirtieth uh, of June as of the the very moment I'm recording this. That means that the fourth uh, of July is coming up in here in America. That's Independence Day. Um, very important holiday for us. We're celebrating the uh, our independence from. Well, from England, frankly, <laughs> this is the this is our celebration of the, of the uh, day that we uh, officially became a country. Um, so, well, I guess that's not quite true. It's our celebration of the day that we became independent, an independent nation. Uh, that's a more accurate way to phrase that. So, back off, historians. I know history too. So, um, I wanted to uh, just you know say to everyone, uh, have a happy and safe. Uh, holiday weekend if you're here in the u.s or if you're celebrating abroad as well uh i know there's expats who listen to the show so just be safe uh every year you hear about you know tragedies and things that happen uh people get a little too crazy with the uh fireworks or um, they decide that firearms are fireworks that that does not uh that that's not good don't do that <laughs> shooting things on the fourth of july probably shouldn't be a thing um Sorry. Uh, and, you know, there's alcohol and uh, all kinds of other recreational chemicals uh, floating around out there. Just what I'm trying to say here is, folks, just be careful, okay? I want you to come back around <laughs> next Friday and uh, and listen in on another show. And I want you to have all your uh, your various digits and uh, eyes and ears and that sort of thing intact. So uh, there you go. Friendly, A friendly warning or word of advice from the friendly neighborhood wordslinger. <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> now our plans for the the holiday, we don't get to use the RV because the RV's in for some repairs. Uh, you know, it's been, <laughs> you know, I yeah, I don't even want to go into it now. I, I'm I'm sort of sort of heart sick over uh, the amount of time the RV has had to spend in uh, for maintenance and repair. It's uh, uh, well, whatever. It is what it is. It's part of the RV life. Um, I'm glad that we now have our home base, uh, you know, so that we don't have to bunk out with someone else while we're waiting for the RV to to be uh, fixed or maintained. But it would be nice to have it for this long weekend. <laughs> we actually thought about, uh, you know, going on a road trip. We may still. We we got a uh, we actually got a new uh, vehicle. We traded in. So I don't want to hear I don't want to hear the backlash on this. <laughs> I already, I already got an earful from people, but uh, my wife and I had a, uh, a leased um, Toyota, and it was our second lease in a row. Um, 
I do not approve of this, by the way. I don't like the idea of leasing a car. I think it's a waste. Uh, but, you know, at the time, it, it, it fit with our needs, and, you know, we didn't know what was going to be happening with the RV. We, it, it fit. Uh, so, but it came due um, a couple of weekends ago, and we got a new vehicle. We got a Toyota Highlander. It's not actually new. It's slightly used. It was like a, a uh, 2015. <clears throat> so, uh, not all that used, but uh, in great shape and uh, a good price. So, uh, so we got that. Now, what's cool about the Highlander is it's bigger than the Venza, which is what we had before. Um, it's, it's still on a car frame. It's not on a truck frame. Uh, I, I personally am thinking about getting a, um, a 4Runner at some point because I, I dig them. Uh, and that's on a truck frame, a little more rugged. But the Highlander has um, the kind of space we would need if we wanted to do something like go, you know, Dry, dry dock, dry camping, uh, go dry dock camping, uh, whatever. Boondocking is what I'm trying to say here. Uh, there's another term for it. It's like dry camping or something like that. Uh, don't ask me why I don't know that right now. I talk about it all the time. But uh, basically, I mean, we could go set up and, and sleep in the back of the car and have a tent and have, you know, <laughs> all the uh, the amenities for camping. So we may do that. Um since we don't have our, our luxurious RV with us. But the great thing about that sort of thing is you can go to more um, like national parks, national forests, uh, that sort of thing, where you wouldn't normally be able to bring, first of all, a large RV. Usually anything under 40 foot, I think, is, is allowed in most like national parks and state parks. But there are some places that won't let you bring any sort of uh, RV or camper. Um, or at least nothing all that big, uh, and we, we can get in with a car. So, you know, sometimes we'll, we've done that in the past where, um, when we had my truck, I had a truck tent and we went and camped out in the, and put the tent up, put a little, we had a little inflatable mattress. It was kind of nice, actually. <laughs> it was kind of a nice setup. Uh, and, uh, so we've got, you know, we've got the means to do that. So we, we may do that this weekend. I don't know where we'll go. We're thinking Fredericksburg. Um, we like it up in that area. It's kind of hill country and we found a couple of spots that were really beautiful. Uh, but we'll see. And we've, we've made no reservations and no plans because that's the way we like to roll. So, uh, that's just it. It's it's the discovery that's more fun than anything. (laughs) Anyway, um, I promised you, um, some, uh, some words from, from, we'll just call them slingers. Uh, some words from some of my recent slingers who uh, reached out and contacted me. Um, the first is an email I got. Uh, and by the way, if you want to reach out to me on, via email, go to wordslingerpodcast.com, hit contact, and you can send me an email right from that page. But uh, this is from Julian Raspberry. Um, <clears throat> sorry. And uh, the subject is, I'm a fan. <laughs> so sh- Julian won me over already. <laughs> So anyway, here we go. Uh, Julian says, um, I just finished binge listening to all prior episodes and am eager for the next. Count me as a great fan. Thanks for being the inspiration you are. I'm about halfway through my first novel. I appreciate all the nuggets of gold you dispense on each and every show. I also just finished posting a five-star review on iTunes. Took a while to figure out how to do it. I know. I'm sorry, Julian. <laughs> and I do have a request. How about considering the topic of pin names for one of your upcoming episodes? Thanks again, and keep them coming. God bless. Uh, Julian, thanks. I, You know, uh, pin names is, would be a very interesting topic. So I'm going to look into... I know a few folks who write under pin names. Uh, 
I will I will talk to them, see if they're sort of willing to come out, as it were. <laughs> maybe they'll discuss discuss that, um, or maybe the, I'll just have them on the show and they don't have to discuss who their pen name is. We'll do something like that. Um, I don't write under pen names myself, uh, of course, obviously. Um, and by the way, Julian, I'm sorry, I, I misread. The first time I read your email, so I thought you were telling me you had picked up my first novel. You're halfway through your first novel, so very different message. And uh, I'm congratulations. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and uh, let's let's get you to the finish line. That's we're gonna we're gonna figure that out for you. Um, but anyway, yes, pen names would be a great topic. So um, if you would also like to suggest topics, by the way, fellow listeners and slingers, um, that's a great idea. I love that. I'm always uh, kind of considering, you know, angles. I don't really do topical shows that much. Maybe I should just start doing that. Say, you know, I'm going to talk about pin names and go find folks to talk about pin names or just do an episode about that. Um, anyway, thanks for writing in, Julian. I appreciate it. And thanks for being a fan. Uh, I am also a fan of yours. <laughs> So, uh, so good luck with the book. If there's any way I can help, just just ask. All right. Next up, I got a uh, a voicemail. Now you've heard from this person before. This is a slinger who has been on the show uh, by by voice at least. Uh, well, they're all by voice, but this is a slinger who has left a voice message before, and I'm talking about Aloysius Kling. Uh, so Aloysius, take us away. Hi, Kevin. Aloysius Kling here again. So as a new writer, I find that describing scenes and writing character actions goes pretty well for me. But I still have a hard time with dialogue. It takes me, takes me quite a few pages to find a character's voice, and even then I'm afraid that all my characters end up sounding the same. I particularly have trouble with female characters. In my current work in progress, I have a minor female character whose role I plan to greatly expand, but I keep getting hung up on her dialogue. I don't know if that's sexist or not. I don't mean it to be. Uh, I'm just trying to write it as realistically as I can. Um, well, or as realistically as you can in a fantasy setting where everything is made up. Um, but what advice would you have for a male writer who's trying to write for female characters and struggling? Thanks again, and I look forward to your feedback, and I love the show. Hey, thanks, Aloysius. Uh, okay, dialogue is, that's one of the trickiest things that you can master when it comes to craft. Because, um, honestly, you can... And, and people do this, I do this, you can get by with very little description about setting or uh, the characters themselves and define your story entirely with your dialogue. Uh, this is what I do, okay? So, um, uh, and, and some people will criticize it, but the fact is, uh, this is what happens a lot in film and television uh, and, and in a lot of the finer works that you've read from, you know, folks like uh, Hemingway. Uh, you get less description and and more, uh, more of a feeling of uh, where you are and what's going on through dialogue. So it's very tricky and it's 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 tough to master, but it's something crucial. Um, <clears throat> so you're on the right track by <laughs> just by wanting to know more. Uh, so here's the deal: the real key to uh, just understanding dialogue in general is is making sure that you're listening. You have a you develop an ear for dialogue in the world around you. Um, you can. Start by just, you know, paying close attention to how people talk in movies and television. Um, while that is not always the most realistic dialogue in the world, I mean, we're used to hearing it. And so if you kind of pick up on the rhythms and cadence of how people talk in, uh, in, in good films, and 
you know, don't go with, uh, I mean, as much as I think Aaron Sorkin is a master of dialogue, you, you should definitely go check out anything Aaron Sorkin's done uh, and, and, and see how he handles dialogue. But he kind of, sometimes it gets into patter <laughs> with him. So uh, I, I would definitely listen to him and, uh, and sort of mimic him at times. But for the most part, go out and find films where people are just having conversations and uh, are being very casual and listen to how they talk. Listen to how the women speak. Um, the thing about writing dialogue for women, honestly, women are are people too. Women are, I know this was a revelation to some people. <laughs> it shouldn't be, but no, I mean, but honestly, dialogue is dialogue. It doesn't, the, the gender shouldn't impact the dialogue that much. What you want is intelligence. You want the uh, the character to reflect um, who they actually are through through how they speak. So it doesn't matter what their gender is, but it might matter what their role is. Um, so in particular, when you're watching films and television, and also when you're eavesdropping on conversations out in the the real world, which uh, you know you should be doing <laughs> for the sake of your art, not for, not for not for any sort of uh, uh, not for any other reasons. But you should uh, you should listen to every time someone speaks. You should listen to what they're saying and how they're saying it. Sometimes you can't translate that directly onto the page effectively. You know, we we tend to speaking with a lot of gaps, with a lot of uh, drop syllables. Um, that sort of thing, and you and we have a lot of uhs and ums, as I will demonstrate throughout the program. But you and sometimes you can put those in, especially if you want your character to seem hesitant. So you want to pay attention to um, how people speak and what they're conveying when they speak, what emotion they're projecting when they speak, what what uh, what you know, what tone the conversation is taking, and not just. Not just the words, but you know, start listening to the inflection. Start listening to the the rhythm of it. Um, like I said, this is very difficult, very difficult to master. But the key is just like um, just like reading frequently and broadly is training for the the uh, language muscle in your brain. Uh, listening closely to to the dialogue you hear around you all the time is your training for um, that particular muscle. So. I know that's that may be an un, that's not an ABC steps kind of thing, unfortunately. But but the way most authors master dialogue is listening closely to dialogue. Um, pay attention also to to what you read in dialogue. Uh, see what works for you. Um, attribution is sometimes important. I I tend towards Stephen King's rule of just use the word said uh, when you're when you're doing attributions, and that's to avoid what you know the Swifties, the uh, you know the uh, the exclamations and the uh, funky adjectives and stuff that people sometimes use for attributing dialogue. Uh, experiment a little though. Find find what what works for you in, as far as conveying the emotion of the setting. And since you're in a fantasy setting, I mean, honestly. You can get away with just about anything. <laughs> the affect of the of the character's dialogue can be just about anything. Um, but you want to go and uh, research that genre too. Look look specifically at books that are like your book and see how that author is handling dialogue. Uh, this may be a completely unsatisfactory answer, man, I'm, and I apologize. But I honestly, 
and and by the way, if you're a listener and you have like a surefire process for doing dialogue, you should you should uh, write in or uh, call in or something and let me know. Uh, but my process has always been just to pay very close attention to how people interact with each other and talk to each other out in the wild um, and in movies and television. Movies and TV are the best training I, I know <laughs> for dialogue because they're all dialogue. I mean, as, as much as you see action on screen, all of that was a at one point a script that was primarily dialogue. Uh, you want to avoid you know, exposition through dialogue. You know, you don't want to rely on the character speaking in order to move the action forward or to explain something that's happening in the uh, you know background or whatever. You don't want characters standing aside, basically, and lecturing the reader on what's happening in that universe. Um, but you can convey a lot about what's happening in a scene through through the short, punchy sort of dialogue you know that characters would have in, in if they're say facing a, an army of uh, ogres or something, you know, I mean, just imagine what the conversation would be. <laughs> so anyway, I hope that helps. If, if not hit me again and we, you know, uh, if we have to, we'll get on the, we'll get on the line together, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk, we'll talk voice to voice and, uh, we'll work it out. So anyway, um, so there is, uh, another question down now. I got one final email uh and this is a quick one and then we're going to jump right into this interview with carla king which i think everyone is going to dig we're a little late so i I apologize we're running nearly 18 minutes now but this is a real quick one i got a message on facebook from chris Britton. i've edited out some some parts chris so i i hope you're okay with that but he uh he wrote to say hi kevin many thanks for your advice and ongoing podcast greatness thank you chris uh hope rv life is treating you well uh yes (laughs) <laughs> Although at the moment we're kind of just not really living much of an RV life, but uh, yeah, we've enjoyed it. And uh, P.S. A podcast mention would be very lovely. How cheeky of me! And there you go, Chris. That's, there's your podcast mention, <laughs> and uh, I'm happy to do it. Uh, if you would like to check out, Chris has his own uh, book. If you want to check him out, it's called. And uh, let me back up. Okay, it's called Reunion. Uh, It's a mystery, crime, dark comedy. And uh, you can pick up the Kindle edition and paperback on Amazon. Uh, Just go, uh, my recommendation is to to search for Chris Britton, B-R-I-T-T-E-N, and Reunion, and you're going to find it right away. So there you go, Chris. There's your your free podcast mention. Uh, Everybody gets one. No, uh, that's not quite true. (laughs) I don't want to be flooded with. (laughs) <laughs> with requests for mentions, but uh, tactfully you may approach me. So anyway, uh, we're nearly 20 minutes in. I apologize for that, that we're running a little late, but I am going to get us right in with Carla King. You're going to love this interview. Um, she is the uh, founder of Author Friendly Publishing Services. She has the self-publishing boot camp, and uh, I think that's going to be uh, an eye-opener for everyone. So listen in on this interview with Carla King, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, this time around, I'm talking to somebody. Now, I, I just recently had a chance to hang out with her at the San Francisco Writers Conference um, in San Francisco. Uh, go, go figure. Uh, but I'm actually talking with Carla King. She's the founder of Author Friendly Publishing Services, uh, among other things. She's she's into a whole bunch of stuff. She's a little bit like a certain wordslinger we know. Um, 
into uh, Nomadia as well, technical Nomadia, that sort of thing. So we're going to have a great conversation with Carla. I'm looking forward to this, actually. So, Carla, thanks for being on the show. Hey, Kevin. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it was great meeting you at the conference. And I know uh, we had, like, only the briefest of introductions before I I showed up there. Uh, but you were, you were organizing the entire self-publishing track there, right? Yeah, it's gotten bigger and bigger every year for obvious reasons. Yes, <laughs> and you did, you did a great job, by the way. I mean, it was Thank a great, you. great uh, track because I, you know, you of course you invented, you invited, you know, the other guys, um, the non-drafted digital guys, uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they were kind of fun to hang out with too. I got to hang out with Mark from uh, um, Smash Words, and uh, I got to hang out with uh, Justin Renard from Pronoun, and those guys were pretty great too. So. Yeah, yeah. You did and good. Robin Cutler from uh, Robin Ingram Cutler? Spark, and right. gosh, uh, Stephen Spots from Book Baby, and yeah, there wow. was a, there was quite a crowd there. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a, a lot of known names. So, uh, what? So, I guess that's a good place to start. By the way, is uh, you know, how did you become involved with the conference? Uh, well, I'm a native Bay Area person. Well, I was actually born and raised in North Carolina, but came okay. to. Uh, the Bay Area when I was uh, 16. <laughs> 16. My oh, 16. dad worked for IBM. I've, I've been moved. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, uh, so at 16, going from uh, rural North Carolina, if I get drunk, you'll hear me drawl. Yeah. Uh, to uh, to uh, hop in San Francisco Bay Area, it was quite the shift in my consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So did you ever have the urge to go back? I love my family, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see. I, mean, I could see. It's a beautiful place. I've motorcycled in the Blue Ridge Mountains and, yeah. you know, done all that as a tourist now, but don't live there anymore. Yeah, yeah. The motorcycle thing, we're definitely going to talk about. There's so you, Okay, it's hard to narrow down what to talk about with you. I'm going to be honest with you. Because okay. there's so many things. And you're like me. You're into a whole bunch of different things. Um the the motorcycle stuff uh the uh you know we're going to get to that but okay. i want to talk first cuz i want to make sure we cover it cuz you're the founder of author friendly publishing services and i want to know the more of the background of that and what what okay. that means for authors well growing up in the san francisco bay area i was a technical writer by trade and i was in multimedia gulch when uh you know cd roms and the internet was happening yeah and um then I worked for Hewlett Packard and had a contract in Lyon, France. Okay. And all of a sudden, I wanted to be a travel writer, right? Because everybody wants to be a travel writer. Right, at some point, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I started writing travel articles, and I had no idea how to do it. So I came back to the Bay Area, and I went to a, a travel writing conference put on by Book Passage, which is uh, the Bay Area's most yeah. beloved bookstore in Marin. Yeah. And I got to talk to actual travel writers and people who were hiring them to write. And one of those people was Alan Noren, and he was working for O'Reilly and Associates, which is now O'Reilly Media. Right. <clears throat> and and um, this thing called the internet was kind of like, kind of happening. Nobody really heard of it. Sad. Not a whole lot of people had heard of it yet. <laughs> right. And they had this idea that it would be cool to... Uh, do live dispatches uh, from travel writers who were uh, actually on the road, like doing stuff. Yeah. 
And um, they couldn't find a travel writer who knew uh, FTP, HTTP, you know, all yeah. of that. So they were hiring these people and they had they were failing because they would fry their modems and a, you know, right. And a digital system, phone system and China. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I said FTP and HTTP and, 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 uh, Alan was like, Oh my gosh, that's great. And he had arrived on a motorcycle and I have been, um, you know, motorcycle enthusiast for a long time. I've, I've ridden since I was a kid. Yeah. So we connected over that. And I said, well, I came back to the U.S. just recently. And my plan was because so many people in France and Europe said, what's America like? And I could only tell them about California and North Carolina. I had vowed to go on a motorcycle trip around the United States and um, <clears throat> find out more about my own country, yeah. <laughs> right? Because it's a big, fascinating country. And he said, well, why don't you write about it for O'Reilly? Wow. And um, so then I went and chose a motorcycle, and there was a Russian Ural motorcycle that this guy was importing from Russia, the Ural Mountains, as a possible business supplying this specialty bike uh, to the industry, but he, it, it had some problems. So he, he didn't know if it would actually, I, I asked him about it and he, he didn't know if it would actually make it like to Montana. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I'm a country girl. I'm good with mechanics and you know, this looks like a cool machine. It's this big sidecar motorcycle yeah. it's the kind that steve mcqueen rode in the great escape oh okay you know yeah, yeah. like that it's like that so i, I, I don't just, know if what kind of geek that makes me that i know exactly what bike you're talking about now but i i'm kind of <laughs> happy to know that reference <laughs> yeah so imagine that you know so i i said well i would test ride it and they said okay they would support me okay and send me parts if i needed and i could write about it for the internet you know <laughs> Right. And it wasn't, uh, and, and so I set out on my trip, and the dang thing broke down every 100, 500 miles. I replaced four gas tanks, uh, wow. five alternators, uh, the right whole side of the engine, uh, you know, <laughs> everything. It's a simple machine, and as a right. country girl whose dad dragged her out to change the brakes on the tractor and, and, um, repair my own car it was it was just fine yeah so it was a good story and all 500 people on the internet at the time really enjoyed it <laughs> and uh and then it became a book and then uh i nobody wanted it and somebody so i self-published it okay actually self-published before that in france i wrote a little guide to bicycling the french riviera that was tiny and publishers wanted all of France. They didn't want just the Riviera. Right. So I published that and I went back to France and because I was a tech writer, I knew how to do it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I made money to go back to France two more times, you know, as a wow. tourist. So I was really happy about that. <laughs> so by the time I published American Borders, it was 2004 and um, even before that, authors in San Francisco were asking me, how did you do that? Because as you know, um, the traditional publishing companies were starting to lowball. Yeah. 
their authors. You know, instead of fifty thousand, they'd offer them fifteen thousand. Instead right. of one hundred and twenty thousand, they'd offer them, you know, forty thousand. And that's not a living, right? No, in the Bay Area, <laughs> it's not a living so, anywhere. <laughs> so I started giving these self-publishing boot camps, and it just became a business uh, by popular demand. I was forced to create this business, and you know, I love. I, I was in this group called the Wild Writing Women, yeah. who were a group of travel writers, and you know we all started teaching, and um, it was, and we self-published a book called Ra- Wild Writing Women: Stories of World Travel that sold out. Yeah, in a week, we sold a thousand copies in a week, and two thousand ten. Uh, no, when was that? Oh my gosh. When was uh, that? Let's see. I'm looking at the book right now. Let's see. Oh, you have it. And, well, <laughs> I have the the Amazon listing the for virtual it. Copy. The virtual yeah. copy. Uh, 2002. April 1st, 2002. 2002. Oh, you're coming yeah. up on your anniversary on that. Gosh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So even more people wanted to know how to self-publish. And yeah. then there was just, you know, there was good old Dan Pointer who passed away last year. We sad. We miss him. Mm. And um, so that was all that we had. Uh, and I started writing books and then more and more self-publishing authors started writing books and teaching classes and it all took off. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, there's so many things now I want to talk to you about <laughs> based oh, on right. that story. I'm like, holy Pick crap, one. you've Pick lived a better it. life than I have. That's just amazing. Um, <laughs> so, okay, you 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 go on an adventure. I mean, first you start on an adventure that most people would pay anything or do anything to have, and then that led to like 15 other adventures that anyone would give their left arm for. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean. To ride cranky indigenous motorcycles in places like Look, well, America, uh, China, <laughs> India, Africa, yeah. uh, you know, breaking down all the time, I I love it. Now, most people don't like that level right. of spontaneity, but as a longtime traveler, it's just, it's boring when nothing happens because yeah. nobody can come to your rescue. You don't get to spend the night in a little village with all these people giving a banquet in your honor and <laughs> tasting crazy foods and seeing how other people live. Yeah. I'm all, yeah. I'm on board with that though. You know, you're me. good with it. Oh yeah. That's the kind of thing. That's the whole reason we started the whole RV lifestyle was to do, you know, if my, if it weren't for the fact that I'm married and want to stay that way, I would probably have just done the motorcycle tour or, you know, uh, probably just hopped in my, my truck actually. And when this all, this all started by the way, with a truck and a, and a truck tent, uh, a truck bed tent. Um, that's uh-huh. how this whole adventure started for me. So wow. <laughs> I, would, I would totally do it. I've done things like that. So well, then, you have to get a worse truck. You, you know, you got to get an old broken down yeah, RV like a, and, exactly. and then go. Yeah. It's <laughs> held together by duct tape and well wishing. Yeah. This one practically is right now. I, I say practically, I had to, a couple of times, uh, on our last couple of trips, I had to patch up some things using gorilla tape. So I've, I, uh-huh. I'm like, okay, it's officially mine now. Now that I've, you know, I've had to, to yeah. hold together vital parts of it with tape. It's all mine now. Um, well, Gorilla Tape, by the way, um, Jonathan, my partner, and I, we went, we go down to Baja a lot. Yeah. And he has an old Land Cruiser that he bought in the 80s just to go to Baja with. And yeah. the roof is 
started cracking. Yeah. You know, the metal, and it rattled so much that we stopped and put Gorilla Tape all around that. Yeah. And that was three years ago, and I it's know. still holding. It's I know. It's still after three years. <laughs> we don't need to get it welded. No. It's welded. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, our RV is fairly new, and it, the problem was kind of a freak problem. But it's been several months now. I've taken it probably on about 10,000 miles since then, and I, I've yet to replace that tape. <laughs> so Yeah, it'll last. I bet, I'm betting 30,000 miles. Man, you are my kind of woman. <laughs> you, you and your partner, I'm like, wow, yeah, we could hang out. Um, I, I'm all about everything you just said. Like, just patch stuff up, get things running. You know, I got to tough it out for tonight, but I'll be back on the road tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. So I'm going to pick up your American borders just to live your adventures. Um, (laughs) So, okay. Uh, That all, okay. What I love about this story, though, uh, beyond just the sort of Hemingway-esque kind of roughing it and, and, you know, toughing everything out and and thriving, um, I love the fact that you turned it into a business, but didn't just turn it into a business. You turned it into a business to, to help other authors. You know, which, of course, I mean, anyone who knows anything about me, is it's a huge passion of mine to help people, you know, what I call will be authors uh, to become published, you know. So I, that's pretty fascinating. And like what made you make the leap? Is it just because you self-published and saw that or did you was there more research to it than that? Like, how'd you get Not to the really. friendly I publishing? Mean, well, remember, I was a tech writer, so I'm, yeah. I'm kind of a born geek and farm mechanic. Um, my dad is a retired engineer and, um, I actually used to correct his reports when I was 12 because I'm really good at spelling and grammar. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that came naturally. And I liked like all these self-publishing tools and services and ways to do it were coming up. Yeah. I met Mark Coker right away. Yeah. Like, why did you start Smashwords and how does it work? Like, how does the meat grinder work? What is that all about? And then, of course, Amazon and uh, and Barnes and Noble's Nook product and uh, yeah. book book, uh, book surge, which became CreateSpace, right? right? And right. All that. So I would just, out of curiosity, test them all. And I'm a natural writer too. I have to write down everything. So yeah. I just started blogging and reviewing and um and people just came to me and asked all the time and so instead of just one-on-one answering questions i went okay i'm gonna write a guide and it was the self-publishing boot camp guide for authors yeah which is up coming up on its fourth edition this year (laughs) yeah Uh uh-huh and um then i started giving classes again because I was tired of answering everybody's questions one one by one, the same questions over and over again. And I would have, you know, Mark Coker come and talk, and um, you know, Ingram Spark, and you know, anybody who would come and talk about marketing or right. websites. Linda Lee would talk about authors' websites, etc. Just everything you needed as an independent author from yeah. start to finish. And people would leave. And they would write their books and kind of build a platform. And a lot of them have been very successful. Yeah. It was awesome. It's awesome. And I know, I know so many today. Yeah. So I continue to do it. Uh, at a certain point, though, I figured out that authors didn't really want to do it themselves. Yeah. 
And so I started Author Friendly as a publishing coaching service, and um, and some do it. I have some do it for you services like formatting, and uh, I help people. Like I'm developing a class now that is helping authors finish their book. Like their book is finished, but they're putting the cover together, and they don't know what goes on the front and back matter. They, yeah. you know. They have questions about ISBNs and LCCNs and CIP blocks, you know, for the libraries. Right. And how much should it cost and how do you put it on pre-sale and which platform is the best for them? Is it draft to digital or pronoun or Ingram Spark or a combination, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, um, you know, setting up discounting like 30% or 53%. You know, there's all these final, final questions that are so hard to figure out on your own. And I just went with a few authors the other the other day for like three hours just getting all of this put together and I went, you know what, I'm gonna just create a class on this because it's desperately needed. And so many people publish without you know, knowing that without knowing that it's not quite right. Yeah. Until later and then they're embarrassed and they want to take it back. And yeah. of course can't take it back if it's in print because once it's in print it gets resold (laughs) by Amazon resellers so you've got that embarrassing cover or the weird copyright information that's not quite right or spelling errors and it's there forever so I don't know I mean draft to digital is ebook right ebook distributor so it's always safer I think for people to publish their ebook first. Yeah. Right. So that doesn't happen. Yeah. I, I I've actually kind of gotten to a point where I will publish the ebook and the print version may not come out for several months later, you know, cause I, mm-hmm. during the process of, you know, well, what I get is a ton of free editing, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I send yeah. my book to editors and I send my book to my street team and I get lots of polish on it. And then, you know, you release it and uh, then everyone mercilessly attacks you, uh, for the sure. typo on page seven or whatever. And, uh, that helps me refine the book before I release it in print, you know, <laughs> you know, Kevin, and that is so great, but so many authors are afraid to do this because they want their book to be perfect. And I always tell them beta publish. What you're doing is beta publishing. Yeah, so you're yeah. releasing it to the world. It's not perfect, but you're perfecting your book while you're building your platform, right? right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know you're building your tribe and you're finding out who your tribe is, and and they're doing some developmental editing for you as well. They're like, wait, this character completely disappears and never comes back. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. If I hadn't had that happen, I would not have laughed so heartily. Um, now, I remember bringing this up in a, a certain uh, panel at uh, this last conference uh, under the under the guise of uh, minimal viable product. Do you remember this conversation we had? <laughs> I love that. In fact, I am writing about that. The, min- the MVP. Yeah. It's all- yes. I yeah. love no one else liked that idea. <laughs> you know, I you recall. and I loved it. I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I but think I the think audience it. liked it. I think the authors who were there were like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can just put out my story. It's a complete story. Right. You know, so what if it's not perfect? And you can put it out to a limited audience, which is what 
manufacturers do, right? right? They put it out to their biggest fans using, and you use Patreon, which is a tool for yeah. your for your tribe and your fans. So you could put it out just there, or you yeah. could use Gumroad to put it out, or exactly. You, know, you don't have to put an ISBN on it, no, right? No, it doesn't need to be recorded. Right. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think um, it, you know, I think that that represents a shift, right? Like we're, what I see in the publishing world is a shift towards more of a software type model, you know, where you might release a version of the software that's a little bit buggy and people will know it's a little bit buggy and then they will report those bugs to you so that you can fix them. And that's the way the software industry works, uh, in part, uh, in its simplest form. <laughs> I don't want letters. Okay. Everyone just to back off, but the, uh, yeah. the same applies to, um, you know, publishing, I think, you know, and I think I, from what I'm gathering from you, that that's, that's kind of what you're promoting, right? You're, you've got the same kind of general notion about, you know, get your, get your work done, you get it done right, but here's how you, the process for getting it right. You help with that. Right. And it, you know, a lot of that is blogging. You can blog your book. You yeah. know, Mira talks about blogging your book. A lot of people talk about that now. And there are other tools to, create in-process books. The one that I think is uh, most fascinating is LeanPub. LeanPub was built for computer book authors. Yeah. Because if you need to know how to program something, you don't care if there's spelling errors in it or if chapter four isn't finished yet. You just need to know how to do the dang thing. You're desperate for the information. And so uh, it's, expanded a lot of other authors are starting to use it as a paid blogging system Hmm. Uh, while their while their book is in process it's almost like a crowdfunding pre-sales you know platform building platform it's not purpose-built for that but you can use it for all kinds of things that's interesting i i didn't even know about that lean pub is that leanpub.com yeah Mm -hmm. okay all right. Yeah, check it out. It's it's pretty cool. There are a lot of ways you can raise money while you while you write. That's one of them. Um, Patreon yeah. is the one you use, and I like yeah. for subscription based uh, content, and it allows for all this wonderful multimedia and yeah. personal contact. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, and the biggest point there is to find a way to reach out to your audience and and allow them the opportunity to support you. Like it's. It's actually kind of uncanny to me how many times authors are sort of shy away from asking for anything in return for what they're producing. Um, yeah. And it's important that you get used to that idea because that's kind of the point, right? <laughs> well, if you want to make a living as an author, you yeah. need to sell it sometime. <laughs> yeah. Only, only if you want to make a living at it. If you don't want to make a living at it, then fine. You know, give it away. Mm-hmm. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah. all right. I, I'm dying to talk to you about so many other things actually but all right let's start with your website because <laughs> there's a picture of okay. you next to a motorcycle standing with a jet in the background and i'm like that's the coolest author photo i've ever seen oh <laughs> this is Car- uh, the carlaking.com carlaking.com yes i'm mm-hmm. sorry i shifted gears on you now everyone interested by the way in <laughs> author friendly i'm there are going to be links in the show notes it is authorfriendly.com. That's an easy one to remember, and you should check that out. That's a beautiful site, too. I, I love the um, the book with the girl and the umbrella. That's kind of just a neat photo, a neat Well, image. you know, I like it because it evokes the 
sense of a journey, right? Yeah, yeah. Through a book. And uh, there's some rain, and there's a hot air balloon, and there's a dog, and yeah. grass, and snow, and a pen. It's I, I love that image. Yeah, it's a great image. Because it is a journey. Writing is a journey. Publishing is a journey. Yeah. I mean, life, of course, is a journey. But yeah. you wanted to talk about the travel. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I, yeah, I, <laughs> because... Uh, you and I share, at least partially, we share that in common. We're a little different in our approach, but this idea of travel and, and exploring the world around us, um, I'm just kind of, you know, you've already kind of given the origin story of why you started doing that. But, I mean, is this something, I assume you're still, you're basically still doing this, right? Yes, I am. Uh, so, I, yeah, I have two careers. I help authors publish, and I uh, am travel and write and publish myself and how are you okay like we said everyone wants to be a travel writer mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah i mean is it just are you able to just build on your past success that's how you're getting you know opportunities? yeah well you can imagine that in 95 there weren't a lot of women right. uh, traveling solo through america china india africa right even the 2000s i mean it used to be even in the you know, ten decade before that, I would travel alone on a motorcycle, and people would be going, "Wow, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> it's so dangerous! <laughs> it's not dangerous. Yeah. It's not at all dangerous to travel alone as a woman." And you know, I was a young, cute blonde, and you know, people were like, "People are going to take advantage of you." It never <laughs> happened. It never happened. Yeah, people wanted to protect me, and it was really interesting. Yeah, that's okay. I'm an avid reader of these like travelogue um, essays, right? Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Gilbert and, and company yeah. et al. Um, so where is you know, so American Borders is kind of that for you, right? I mean that's that's more or less that type of story. That genre, and I, you know, yeah. it's interesting because it is kind of an eat, pray, love, or a wild okay. genre. But the motorcycle, it, I have to break out of that. that <laughs> stereotype because the motorcycle is a vehicle it's yeah. not a journey so it was the same kind of journey as you know eat pray love yeah. right but it got a motorcycle so people see the motorcycle they're like oh i don't motorcycle so i'm not going to be interested in that i'm like well do you climb mountains or did you enjoy into thin air right mm. yeah. <laughs> nobody see, says that you know what it is it's the cover it's the cover, and yeah. I'm going to change that. So if you have any, um, if you have any suggestions, that would be great. But I got to tell you, Kevin, the cover of American Borders. When I go to motorcycle shows, yeah. I sign books until my look, hand. Oh, look, 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 look! There's no problem in having two versions of this book. <laughs> do two different I covers. I can do it. Yeah. I can do it. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, I, I, I've told, I've actually given this advice to someone before and watched them like climb charts and even become like a USA Today bestseller. Um, really? Yeah, because they, they have two different versions of the book, and one of them, the only real difference is honestly, there's like a different um, forward, I think, in both books, and the cover is different. Um, the mm -hmm. rest of the content is exactly the same, and and it's but it's marketed to different markets. So I I need to retitle it too because American Borders was the name of my blog yeah. during the time, yeah. and it doesn't evoke what the book is really about. I yeah. mean, I was I went around America's borders, looking at the borders with Canada, Mexico, and yeah. and talking about that, but it ended up 
being about borders between people, between races, between cultures. I mean, we, we're a very diverse culture here in the United States. And yeah, that's so true. I, I don't know how to retitle it. <laughs> All right. We're going to work on that. That's okay. a, I'm good with titles. I need to read it. I'll read it and then I'll come up. I'll come back with a title. I'm very good with titles. Excellent. <laughs> so it's fascinating. Actually, uh, I'm totally trying to just glom onto what you're doing because I think it's you awesome. You build a whole course around that, how, how to title your book. You know, I should or, do that. Or, yeah. or a product because titling is difficult. And even though I'm a longtime journalist, I always tell my editors in the magazines that I write for, I'm like, Please retitle this because I suck at titles. <laughs> do. That's because it's a different skill. And this is what people don't click to. It's the same thing with copywriting versus um, writing a novel or writing even a nonfiction book. Like copywriting is its own skill. And it's, it's all about persuasion, which is exactly what a title is about. You're, the goal is to persuade someone to pick it up, which means you're aiming at a specific audience and you're using words that evoke an, an instant clear image that would be attractive to that specific audience. And that's the trick. And there's nothing really all that, you know, there's nothing you can do other than to, to pay attention to who you're trying to reach out to. You know what I mean? <laughs> so well, it's hard. I know exactly who I want to reach, but I can't figure out the words, you know, to right. make them buy my book. And, right. you know, this is the other big sales tool in, Publishing is metadata and your yeah. title and subtitle and your book description and your author name and your bio and keywords are all metadata and they're they're absolutely the most important yeah. thing you can do for book marketing. Yeah, trust me. I mean, I mean, you know that. Oh yeah, that's my <laughs> like I've told people before. Copywriting is my staple skill. Like that's the thing that paid my bills for most of my life. And um, the I still I do a I, I'm now it's a referral only business but i mean i i still write book descriptions for some pretty big names out there and it makes a huge difference like they'll bring me like here's the the book description we've had for the past you know two years and you know we'd like to spice it up and it'll it'll spike sales because it's mm -hmm. you know it's more engaging so it's a different skill anyway i don't want to evangelize copywriting I'm, i do that all the time but uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I will be happy to read your book and come up with a new title if you're looking for it. I'd I'm, be happy to help. I'm, I accept. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so okay, and that's cool. I mean, what I love about that. So I have a love for, and I, I really ultimately I would love to do some essay writing of this type, but I always yeah. feel like I just I don't know something. It's like it's like copyright. It's like the difference between copywriting and other writing. It's like, that's a different skill that I apparently have not nurtured. Um, although I do write short essay pretty well, but that whole, like, you know, pulling from your experiences and writing an entire book about it without it sounding like, you know, 300 pages yeah. of self promotion, you know, that's the problem mm -hmm. I have. <laughs> so. Well, it's, it's just go story by story. And you know, in a travelogue, I guess that's what it's all about. Yeah. And, uh, do you know the traveler's tale series? It's a uh, wonderful series of books, TravelersTales.com, I think it's still okay. at. And they have books. It was one. It was the first place I got published. Okay. I won, I won an award for my um, story, the, that first travel writing conference I told you about earlier. Yeah. I had bicycled uh, around uh, West Africa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Solo <laughs> for four months. And I, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. It was really amazing 
Um, and I wrote a story about that, and it won the grand prize at the Writers' Conference. Sweet, yeah. And it got published in the Traveler's Tales uh, food book. So they have country and even city-specific yeah. books, and then they have theme books like food or women or, you know, various and uh, it was a story about realizing that I was had been eating monkey stew for quite a while and had no idea about <laughs> it. Yeah, it's called Pass on the Primate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I had a lot of help with it, and uh, but it was just a moment in time. And I have to say, I I had this friend Susan um, when I came back from Africa, and I was trying to be a travel writer. And she had hired me to work at Dive Travel Magazine Okay. Up for a while. And I said, I can't get the story about Africa out. And she goes, think of one moment. It could be like this one tiny thing that happened. And it could be one minute or five minutes, you know, and just hmm. talk about that. And I thought about that story of the realization that I saw the dead monkey in the corner that I thought was sleeping. And then I realized it was dead and realizing, you know, that that was just weird. It was horrible to me to eat mon monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, just my whole emotional state over it and just evoking every sense. So sensual detail, every single sense, you know, sense is evoked and in travel writing, the sense of... Uh, smell is often overlooked and that's our most uh, the strongest sense that we have so if you describe a smell your reader is going to be more engaged in the story immediately Interesting. than if you just use vision so for a while I had every sense like a little post-it note uh, on my computer and I would go through my stories and uh, make sure everyone was represented. I wrote about this for Kobo Writing Life uh, okay. not too long ago. If you, um, I, I think if you just Google Carla that. King, Kobo, the sensual detail in travel writing. All or right. go to my blog there. It's it's recorded. Okay. But I know, Kevin, you can do it. And it only has to be a short little moment. And small, and and these this um, series of books, Traveler's Tales, is a great way to enter the world of travel writing and essays. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. I I you know I, I move around a lot and uh, I encounter a lot of people and, and and that's the kind of thing I would want to talk about most is the the characters I meet um, mm -hmm. who end up you know not inconsequentially I mean they end up in my fiction very often mm -hmm. so uh, I'm half afraid to write about them in real life because you know people will see I'm cheating or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, and they'll never recognize themselves. It's funny. No, I know that's true. They, they won't. That's it's true. It's, yeah, you yeah. can't be shy. No. And I, the more also with travel, and I think any kind of uh, nonfiction is, the more intimate you get and detailed and you know scary it gets for you to write about a feeling or a situation, the more universal it really is because people. People connect on that most intimate, most basic level instead of just talking about what you ate, <laughs> yeah. right? What your yeah. fears are, you know, what your, what maybe some of your uh, biases are and how you feel about them, and right? Yeah. yeah, that's a good tip. That's another good tip. 
You've been full of good tips. Oh, good. <laughs> I would expect okay. that from somebody who's coaching um, authors in self-publishing, um, frankly. I mean, I'd be disappointed if you weren't full of good tips. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, we're our, we're past the uh, – I don't want to take up too much of your time because you, you, you clearly have uh, better things to do than talk to me. Um, oh. You have so much going on. <laughs> ah. So uh, we haven't even talked. We haven't even said the word digital nomad yet. Oh, we should totally say digital nomad. So We've tell. All right, let's let's talk. We got time. We got a little time. If you're okay with it, we got a little time. You want to talk okay. about digital nomadia? I didn't even know that I was a digital nomad, but this is like the thirty-something crowd. Is, yeah, you know, they they coined that term, and I was invited to be uh, part of something called the Paradise Pack to help yeah. people learn about how to make a living while they're on the road and you know now we can because we have laptops and right and skype which we're using now and so you can be on the road constantly or be uh, in an apartment and or a campground and still work yeah so that is digital nomadism yeah we're doing it we're doing it yeah successfully uh which you know, according to many of the adults uh, in my life growing up, told me was never going to be possible. So, I know they said, "Oh no, that's way in the that's like 2050." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or get a real job is the way they put it to me. Yeah. So <laughs> you, uh, so that so is, guys, yeah. So the guys at uh, Jason and Trav, um, they they run a site um, and the, a podcast called zero to travel and okay. so they they were the ones who invited me to be part of this thing and uh so they they specialize in talking about that and teaching people how to succeed at doing I'll have that to, uh i'll have to reach out to those guys sounds yeah. like the kind of podcast yeah, I, I should be on they're fun, they're fun <laughs> and they're very prolific they have a lot of you know ideas about how to make money on the road and, yeah and there's actually it's funny because i you know i talk to so many people um who are doing this you know, just it, it, as a, I don't know, sometimes it's not even the point of the conversation. In fact, most of the time it's not. Uh, I'll interview someone for this show and discover that they're full-time, you know, remote, whatever. They're traveling the world. I'm talking to somebody in Singapore, you know, I didn't even know. And um, it's just mm -hmm. become so common and so possible. And, and yet when I talk to people about it, they still think of it as being so far out of reach. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because we've been trained to love our material comforts and well, yeah, to be it. afraid of, yeah. you know, actually living instead of sitting in our house all day right. and being afraid to travel. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a dangerous thing. No, but it is scary. I mean, you do, you do get out there sometimes um, and things go wrong and, you know, the rain starts and there's no place to to pull off you know like for example you know in, in our rig here um for some reason the windshield wipers will just fail <laughs> just randomly okay. usually on the heaviest rain day you can imagine and uh more than once now we've we've taken it out and, and i think the problem is finally fixed for good so i don't want people thinking i'm living in a, a trash heap on wheels um but <laughs> it's just the standard new rv shakedown stuff but we're driving to Florida over uh, Thanksgiving and it was pouring down rain here when we left and they, the wipers just stopped and there's literally nothing I can do. Mm. Like I can't pull over cause I don't, I can't see the only thing I can do. I can see just well enough to see the lines I'm supposed to be staying in and the car in front of me. 
Mm. <laughs> and that, and so all I can do is drive by the force, you know, for until the storm stops. <laughs> so, and that's happened more than once. So it can get scary. But the thing is, now I have that story, right? And that yes. story feeds so many other things now. Like I, I can, I draw, I've, I think I drew upon it at least once already for one of my thrillers, a scene in one of my thrillers. And, uh, you know, if I ever get around to essay writing, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have to write it down, but that's the point, right? Sometimes scary things happen, but you, you can grow from that. That's the fun. Part. Oh yeah. That is the fun part. Yeah, I always say that. When disaster strikes, I'm like stuck out in the middle of the Sahara Desert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because okay, you don't have now. <laughs> right, you don't remember the you know the ten hours of driving with no problems. You just remember the the you know forty five seconds of your mirror falling off or something. You know that's the stuff you remember. Okay, so here's our task. So you help okay. me with my title, and uh, and I'll help you with your first travel essay. Okay, so. you got it. You, yeah, you got it. Yeah, got I, can, I can live with that deal. I don't even know how, right. what that's going to look like. So, well, you, you've got your work cut out for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do because you have to write it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, 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 I'm, I'm sure I could write. It. I thought I have probably already done what is needed to do this stuff. But what, I, um, that's the point is I don't know what it should look like when it's done. Even though I read tons of these things, it's like, okay, what does a Kevin Tomlinson essay look like when it's done? So I need to get on that. We'll do it. Teamwork. All right. So, uh, okay. Um, I do want to wrap up now. Definitely want to keep you uh, from from having to hang out with me too long. And uh, everyone listening to this show, there are so many things that you're going to want to know about Carla King. I know that uh, I got a ton more questions I could ask. But uh, you can start learning more about her at her websites. Uh, first, check out authorfriendly.com. If you are an author, a will-be author or otherwise, and you're looking for ways to bump up uh, your career and do uh, do even more with it, definitely check out authorfriendly.com. I'm looking at the marketing stuff. I'm thinking maybe I could you know, get some use out of that. Uh, and check out carlaking.com where you can see some cool photos of her in front of a jet. That's actually kind of cool. Um, I don't have that. And otherwise, you'll find all these links and more in the show notes. Carla, thanks so much for being on. I've really enjoyed this interview. It's been fun, Kevin. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody else, hang out. We'll do a quick update, and I'll see everyone next week. Bye. All right, that was my interview with Carla King. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, If you are, you know, dipping your toes into the waters of self-publishing, you might want to go pick up the... uh, this this self publishing boot camp. I mean, you know, when I hear boot camp, it's kind of scary, honestly. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I don't want to do push ups, <laughs> but I don't think she, I don't think she puts you through that. Um, Carla was great, and uh, you know, this interview is running really, really late. Of course, uh, you know, we mentioned the uh, the event in May, which has already passed. Uh, Carla, I'm sorry, <laughs> things things uh, happened, and. Uh, uh, whatever. This is what happens. This is what happens when you do a, a pre-recorded show. Sometimes you can't get to the uh, the interviews fast enough. But anyway, we're already over an hour, so I want to make sure that we uh, hit all the housekeeping stuff, and then I'm going to let you get on to your holiday weekend if you're American. If you're not American, celebrate anyway. It's just making an Independence Day for the whole world. Uh, may all your alien invasions be free of drunken uh, crop duster flyers. <laughs> So anyway, um, if you have questions, uh, if you'd like to call in and ask a question, have it played on the show, call me. Uh, There's a couple of ways to do this. You can do what Aloysius did. He clicked on the send voicemail link on the uh, 
on wordslingerpodcast.com. It's, it's a little orange button floating on the right-hand side of the screen. Uh, click that, and uh, an application called SpeakPipe will allow you to leave a voicemail. And I believe the time limit is one minute. Um, I think I've discovered that. So, uh, you know, you might want to do what Aloysius did and just kind of jot down your uh, question on paper uh, and to ask uh, so you don't get cut off midstream. But um, that's one great way to do that. <clears throat> also, you can call me at 281-809-WORD. That's 281-809-9673. And, uh, um, you know, most of the time that seems to work. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered a while back that sometimes people call and it doesn't actually, you know, do, go to voicemail. So um, if you're having trouble with that, let me know. We'll work something out. You can, of course, uh, email me. If you click on the contact button on uh, wordslingerpodcast.com, you can actually email me from that form. Um, and uh, there's some options there, too. If you're uh, if there's something specific you want to talk to me about, uh, even if it has nothing to do with the show, you can talk to me about I do I do speaking events I, I speak at uh, conferences and uh, schools and uh, all kinds of stuff so uh, if you've got uh, maybe you're maybe there's a now right now we're in the middle of summer but maybe you know you've got something going on at your kid's school or um, a youth event or something like that I like to go and talk with kids about writing um, uh, maybe you have a business uh, or maybe you have a group of writers I have 30-day author I like to talk about Draft to digital, of course, I can talk about anything self-publishing related, marketing, that sort of thing. Uh, how to write your book, you know, how to develop a daily writing habit, you know, the art of fiction, whatever, whatever you want, <laughs> whatever you want. Uh, basically, if you've heard me talk about it on the Wordslinger podcast, I can talk at length about it uh, in person. So happy to do that. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I charge fees for, for some speaking engagements and some I don't. So it uh, just uh, depends on what you're, what you got. So let me know. Um, now, if you would like to support the show, uh, a handful of ways you can do that. Some of which I like better than others. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Uh, number one, go and rate and rank the show on iTunes. Uh, we, I got, I got a, uh, a couple of new uh, reviews, one of which I read to you uh, earlier. And, uh, well, I didn't read the review. I read that there was a review. Um, but, you know, it's for one thing, it's very in, in, it's very heartening to me and enlightening because I, f I find out what people care about in the show, uh, what they're focusing on. And, uh, you know, it helps other people find the show. Um, if you think this show is, is beneficial in any way, then I would encourage you to share it with other people because that means it's going to be beneficial to other people. Uh, and we're all about helping people, right? That's what slingers do. We go out and we help people. So, uh, you know, do, do that and you're helping further my, my purpose and mission in life uh, to, to help others uh, in the same ways that I've been helped. So I appreciate that uh, and God bless you for it. You can also support the show financially if you go to wordslingerpodcast.com and click on the Patreon logo. You can actually uh, make a, 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 you know, whatever, a pledge uh, of any amount you want. And every every dollar I get is very helpful. I use it to, uh, you know, for the overhead of the show. Uh, there are things, web hosting and, and uh, you know, equipment and, you know, all kinds of things that, that do come up. Um and uh, it's very helpful to me to to have that extra bit of funding. So I do appreciate everybody who has chipped in. Um, so if you you know if you have a couple of bucks free each month that you want to throw my way, I appreciate it. It's it's uh, 
I do the show. I'll do the show if I get nothing. So don't worry about ever losing the content. But if you can help support the show, it makes it that much easier. And, uh, of course, my favorite way. Here's my favorite way to support the show. <laughs> and it, it all comes down to the books. Uh, I'm an author. Uh, I'm a thriller author these days. I've just embraced it fully. I mean, I, I write speculative fiction. Uh, but the majority of what I write these days is is thrillers. My Dan Kotler thrillers specifically uh, are are front and foremost on my mind. Um, and I just finished the draft of my latest one. Hold on, I'm going to hit this cough button. That silence was me not coughing in your ear. You're welcome. I just finished the uh, first draft of Devil's Interval, um, which is the third full-length Dan Kotler thriller. And that's in edits right now. I kind of slacked off on editing this past week, uh, just because I, I don't know. It's been a it's been a busy week. But uh, frankly, I could have done it. I just I think I needed a break <laughs> after uh, after finishing the book, and uh, a few other things have come up that I I wanted to make sure I was on top of. So <clears throat> took a slight break of like three days and didn't do any editing. So <laughs> I'll get back to it. Editing tends to go much faster than the. Uh, the writing, uh, so it won't. I won't be off track by much, um, and I'll probably do some over the holiday anyway. Um, it's just what I do. So uh, if you would go to wordslingerpodcast.com or kevintomlinson.com, they're both the same site. Honestly, it's domain leads to one page, and the other domain leads to the home page. So uh, either of those will get you there. Click on the books tab up top, and you'll be able to find all the books that I have available. And I use draft to digitals universal book links to, for each of those so that when you click on them, you'll, you can choose the store that you prefer and you can go right to it and, and buy it. Um, so you don't have to worry about There's not a thousand links there that you have to comb through. There's one clean, nice looking link, uh, a button actually, and it will take you to uh, whatever store you prefer. So. <clears throat> It's not magic. You do have to make a second selection in there. But once you choose, you can make that your default. And so every time you buy one of my books or buy a book by anybody who has a uh, universal book link, it can take you to your preferred store automatically. So go do that. Uh, that's the that's my favorite way for you to support this show and the rest of my work because, uh, honestly, when it all comes down to it, everything else aside, if I, if I did nothing else, with my career in life, I would write these books. Um, so that's, that's the, that's the, the real purpose of my life, honestly, is to produce stories, um, that entertain and inspire others and serve God and serve my community. And you guys are my community. So, uh, I appreciate all of your support and all of your help. And if you've read something of mine, please, uh, go review it, uh, particularly on Amazon. Um, if you don't mind, even if you didn't buy it on Amazon, I, the Amazon reviews tend to be the most helpful. I cleared my throat again. Um, in, uh, promoting me and, uh, building me up as a, as an author and building my audience. So I appreciate that. So anyway, no, f nothing further to say. Let's get you out of here and get you into the weekend. God bless each and every one of you. I pray for you to all be safe, uh, happy, and healthy. Enjoy time with your family and friends. And please come back and see me every now and then here at the Wordslinger Podcast. Take care, and I'll see you next time.
Goldslinger.